So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Live on tape from the Ed Sullivan Theater in New York City, it's Stephen Colbert! Welcome, welcome one and all to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. It is the Tuesday. It's the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, and I'm still working. You're welcome. Some people, some people who shall remain president of the United States knocked off early. Because today, Joe Biden hit the road to spend Thanksgiving in Nantucket. Reviving a family tradition reminds me of the famous limerick. There once was a man in Nantucket (laughs) whose poll numbers really did suck it. (laughs) At least he is not that orange Pol Pot who ate all his meals from a bucket. One, one little snag in the holiday travel has been high gas prices. So before he left town, the president announced he will release 50 million barrels of oil from the Strategic Reserve. Now, for those who don't know, that man does know. For those who don't know, the Strategic Reserve is a series of caverns filled with fossil fuel and strategically located inside Rudy Giuliani's head. <laughs> According, overflowing. Got to release it. Got to release the pressure. According to the president, this is the largest release from the reserve in U.S. history. And in response, a spokesman for the American Petroleum Institute released this statement. Oil, black gold, sweet dinosaur jelly, West Texas dirt milk. We're rich! We're richer than Jesus! It's not... He's excited. He's excited. It's a direct quote. You got some green? You got some green? It's not clear if this is going to work. Energy experts have consistently said such a release would do little to lower prices at the pump. It's also not the best look right after you come back from a climate conference. We must end our addiction to fossil fuels. What's that? Gas is three fifty a gallon? Let the rivers be choked with crude oil and the carcasses of pelicans. Of course... Burn! Burn the world! Turning to the pandemic, in the last month, new infections are up about 30%, just like this same time last year. It looks like COVID cases rising as a new holiday tradition. We're going to have to replace the elf on the shelf with Fauci on the couchy. <laughs> now, I'd buy that. I'd buy that. Market that, man. If you're getting ready to deck the halls, do not wait. Experts are predicting a Christmas tree shortage. That's okay. 
I'm sure I can build one from the needles still embedded in my carpet from last year. <laughs> in a statement, the executive president of something called the American Christmas Tree Association assured customers there will be a Christmas tree, both real and artificial, for everyone who wants to celebrate with one. It just may not be the exact kind, size, or color you want. <laughs> but none of that really matters. Remember, on the first Christmas, all Jesus had was a pile of hay. The important thing is that you and your family have an indoor fire hazard. <laughs> no sector, a jar of oily rags. No sector is safe from these supply chain issues. Case in point, even social media influencers are impacted by the shortages. Yes, apparently all their little dance moves are stuck at the ports. And I'm being told we have actual footage. In normal times, oh, I'm watching it. I'm watching it over the holidays. I love me some Meryl Streep dancing. Now, in, in, in normal times, companies pay influencers to hock their merchandise on the social meds. But the issue now is that brands don't necessarily know if they will have enough stock to fulfill orders if a product ends up going viral. So some brands are using influencers to promote a wider breadth of products rather than focusing on a few items and keeping the messages more general. <laughs> which explains this recent influencer TikTok. My favorite gifts to give this Christmas. Things, stuff, items, objects, products, and more services. Please help me. I have no marketable skills. <laughs> but things, I recognize her. I do, too. I recognize her. But things may be looking up because supply chain problems are showing signs of easing. Great news for Santa. Otherwise, he was going to have to fill his sack with whatever they have at the Rite Aid checkout. <laughs> ho, ho, ho! Who wants a holly jolly issue of Women's World? <laughs> Someone's getting ten easy tips to tone those flappy arms. Oh, some little girl's getting a knockoff iPhone charger. It doesn't work, but it's pink. <laughs> In Congress, the January 6th committee is still investigating who planned the attack on the Capitol, and they just subpoenaed a couple of big ones. First up on the docket, former presidential ally, pardon criminal, and Colonel Sanders. <laughs> and Colonel Sanders at the Swingers Club. Roger Stone. Stone helped plan the rally that preceded the insurrection, and the committee wants to know why he was invited to lead the march to the Capitol from the rally, but curiously did not ultimately attend the rally or go near the Capitol. That is suspicious. It's like the head of the prom committee at the high school in Cary saying, look, I know I helped plan the dance, but I think I'm going to stay home. By the way, um, take this poncho. No reason. <laughs> mm -hmm. Also, a little soda water, lemon juice, gets it right out of the carpet. Right out of the... Right... The committee also wants to hear from disgraced conspiracy theorist and pork meatball with freezer burn, <laughs> Alex Jones. Jones is in some hot water for helping to secure funding for the January 6th rally, as well as bellowing this at a crowd the night before. I don't know how this is going to end, but if they want to fight, they better well, now we do know how it ends. 
with Alex Jones under oath in Congress trying to sell the committee his vitality supplements. Mr. Chairman, as a weak-minded member of the deep state, you need my Prostagard pills. Take them with two cups of my patented male enhancement serum, and I'll put it this way. If your toilet wants a fight, you better believe it's got one. You better in a van down by the river. A little crossover, a little cross there. White line fever. Speaking of <laughs> former president's cronies, we've got some news from his ex-fixer and Jurassic Park lawyer about to get stepped on by a T-Rex, <laughs> Michael Cohen. Cohen got off of house arrest just yesterday, and his first stop was CNN. I do want to make this promise to you and to all of your viewers that I may have been prosecuted, and right now I am the only one, but I will not be the only one at the end of the... For this crime? For this crime and for others. Who else cases. was involved? Well, there were quite a few people that were involved. Uh, Eric, in, uh, Eric Trump was involved. Help me, Dad! <laughs> Dad, help! I'm, I'm too pretty for jail. <laughs> It'll destroy Mom. Also, second Mom, third Mom, and porn star Mom. <laughs> She's the only one who still calls me. But it looks like, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Right on. Conan already has some job prospects. Even while he was still on house arrest, Cohen was seen sitting down with a very strangely masked Kanye West, making Kanye the Cohen client with the second less believable human face. <laughs> Cohen addressed the meeting. You were seen um, recently meeting with Kanye West, also known as Ye. He's changed his name. He's changed it's his name. Ye. Um, what's that about? Um, I'd rather not talk about it. Well, yeah, uh, one thing that I've done very well, virtually my entire life, was uh, help resolve issues for people. Um, we'll call it being a fixer, right? Uh, this time, though, uh, some of the issues that I'm talking about with Ye um, are nothing to do with porn stars or Playboy Playmates. It's, uh, it, it, a lot of it is business-related. That business? Legally getting away with calling this a shoe. <laughs> now, Cohen seems pretty tight-lipped about this arrangement, but I know what's happening. You see, Cohen is a gold digger. <laughs> That's what you do when it all falls down. He used to work for a monster, but he doesn't want to give up Power, the good life, and all of the lights. No matter what, this is bound to be a circus. I wish they would both just run away, but they won't. That's just my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. Life of Pablo. We got a great show for you tonight. Up next, Lady Gaga. Such a show tonight. Before we get to the show, before we get to the show, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I, I just want to uh, just want to point out just for a second here, take a moment to mark the fact that uh, today uh, Grammy nominations were announced, and the artist with the most nomination, the most honored artist this year with 11 nominations, is Mr. John Baptiste, right there. Hey! 
Here we go. Here we go. Best, best traditional R&B performance, best R&B album, best improvised jazz solo, best jazz instrumental album, best American Roots performance, best American Roots song, best contemporary classical composition, best score soundtrack for soul, best musical video for freedom, record of the year for freedom, and album of the year for We Are. Damn. Come on. That's extraordinary. John, okay. And I, I, I just, here's the thing. John, when you found out, when you heard these nominations, what, what did you think? Well, I heard the first two. And then after that, there was so much hollering in the room <laughs> that I had to get an update every time another nomination came in. And I just was sitting there by the eighth one and I was just like, I was, I was actually to myself, I was talking to God. I was like, there's a lesson in this for me to learn. There's, there's something, it's, it's great, but there's so much happening in my life right now. Mm-hmm. And, and this is happening. And there's something in this that's bigger than me and, and just adulation for me that I have to learn in this. So I'm, I'm so grateful. And, and, and the Grammys, they changed the process this year to make it much more transparent. So artists, it was my peers who listened to the record, and they said that this is what they want to put their vote to. So, you know, it, it, it really, I, I just put my head down and work. I just put my head down and work on the craft. And, and well, you also, you also tweeted yes. today. What, what, what was the coincidence? Well, I'm always in the numbers. I'm born on 11-11, 11 nominations, and I'm born on November 11th. Well, here's another, no, here's another coincidence about this, is that if somebody had asked me, uh, you know, should John Baptiste be nominated this many times? You know, if somebody asked me on a scale of 1 to 10, yeah. I would have said 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Congrats. Folks. My guest tonight is an award-winning musical artist, philanthropist, fashion icon, and movie star. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Lady Gaga. It's so lovely to have you back. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. This is, I'm, I'm so... I'm so honored to be here. I'm oh, my gosh. To be here. It is our honor to have you here. I'm in New York, my home. Listen, you had, you've had this extraordinary year, starting with uh, singing the national anthem at President Biden's inaugural. What was this what was this moment like for you? You know, it was one of the proudest moments I've ever had as a musician and a performer. I'd say uh, every performer has something that is meaningful to them about why they do what they do. For me, it's I love to make the public smile. And I had 2 minutes and 30 seconds to talk to the to the whole world. 
And I thought it might be a good opportunity to sing to everybody, you know, not just to President Biden's uh, fans and mm -hmm. to the people that voted for him, but to the, to the whole world, because it, the world has been on fire and everybody deserves love. And what, what better way than the national anthem, something that we can hopefully agree on? Well, you know, the national anthem is a complicated tune. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. it was a complicated time. <laughs> yes. So I love you finding the flag at that moment, that our flag was still there. <laughs> that was a very emotional moment. Thank How you. did you get through that moment yourself? I much imagine that particular moment is so resonant to that spot where you were standing, where the insurrection had been. Well, I had the, the, the privilege of working with uh, Michael Bearden, who's my musical director. Mm -hmm. He's also the conductor for my show uh, in Las Vegas for our jazz show. He does both pop and jazz. He's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And uh, he did that arrangement with me, uh, with the Marine Corps band. And uh, we decided to hold on uh, that our flag was still there. and. Uh, what is funny about this moment, in addition to it being emotional and, and, and powerful for me as a singer, was that, believe it or not, they actually moved the flag. Didn't tell you? No. So, you know, so I, I had gone out the day before to the Capitol, which was, you know, it was, the energy was, was, was powerful and it was tense because there was such violence a week before. There was, there was such rage in this country that we saw with our own eyes in a way that I think we have not seen in a really long time. And I went out to my rehearsal because that's what I do and I'm a professional and I wanted to go to rehearsal. And I planned to find the flag and pointed it as I sang this part. And what I didn't realize was that they were going to move the flag. And when I got out there, I started turning. And I was like, oh, girl, just keep turning and maybe it'll show up. <laughs> Turns out they still kept the flag up on that beautiful day. And I found it. And I'm so grateful. I had, I, I had, uh, I had heard that this, again, this beautiful dress that you were wearing, that that was bulletproof, that it, it, it had um, fabric sewn into it. Yeah, there was a bulletproof vest sewn into the dress. And, um, you know, it was, a, it, it was a, a, a scary time in this country. And I care a lot about my family. And as a performer, I understand that I put myself in all types of dangerous situations uh, in order to do what I love. And so I did that for myself, but for my family as well, so that my, my mom and dad and my sister would feel confident. But that dress, you know, is a Scaparelli dress, an Italian designer, and everything about what I wore that day was inspired by the Italian and the French Revolution, because in a lot of ways, I felt like that day was a revolution for this country and a real opportunity for us to look, look, look past the resistance and look forward into a time when we can be kinder and we can be braver as a nation, as people. That's worth praying for. It is worth praying for. Now, uh, the last time we were together, I asked you how, with all the pressures of your work and all the things you take on, all the things you care about, how you relax at the end of the day, and you said a glass of wine and, uh, and uh, crying. A cry, yeah. A cry. <laughs> is, is this still how you do it? Uh, just with tequila now. Would you like, I have a little bar, would you like, would you like a little tequila? Like yeah, a little, for a little, sure. A little. 
I wish we This is really full service over here. Wow. On the opening on I'll the opening see, night of this show six years ago, George sent me a bunch of tequila and I've been oh. very, very Thank grateful you, George. To him. All right. Can I just there you go, right there. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a party now. There you go. <laughs> now, um, you've been... Oh, you want a lime? <laughs> you... Can that always... is very tasty. You can do some live now, editing around this part. You've been an outspoken activist uh, for, for young people and for the LGBT community for, for years. What do you do? Does that activism itself help ward off despair, give you hope? You know, I don't know that it wards off despair as much as it reminds me that we all have a voice. And it's just how you use it. That's our weapon. That's the, that's the kindest weapon that we have if we choose to wield it kindly. Mm -hmm. For me, uh, I, I understand and I understood when I was young, around maybe 21 years old, that I had a platform where I could speak and talk to the world. And look, we all have access to social media. Uh, I have a lot of people that watch what I do when I decide to be in the public eye. And how I choose to use that space and time is something that I care about. So for me, speaking about LGBTQ plus rights is, is part of my destiny and it's a part of what I believe makes it possible for me to have this work matter. To me, realness and relationships and the, the reality of the world, if you don't look at it dead in the eye, uh, then all of this is an illusion and it, it makes them, the art matter less. But this is also why I love you so much. You've always put heart into your work. You always put what matters into your work. So you know, I'm happy to be here because like, I really respect him and I know that you do too. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We have to take a little bit of a break, but don't go away. We'll be right back with more Lady Gaga, everybody. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With Lady Gaga, you are playing the perfect role in House of Gucci, where you play uh, Patrizia uh, Reggiani. 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 Mm -hmm. and well you, done. Uh, All right. Mi molto male, ma voglio parlare Parlo bello. Mille grazie. Now, <laughs> he speaks better Italian than I do. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are, here you are at the opening night. There you are at the opening tonight there, rocking the purple. Right there. 
You play the woman who was the, the, the wife of Maurizio Gucci and who plots his death. And how would you describe this character? Well, first of all, I would describe her as real. She's a real woman. Mm -hmm. So this is not just a character. This is somebody who is still alive today. And she served a decades in prison. And she was very in love with Maurizio Gucci. And something that people don't know is that when they got married, he didn't have money and a job. His whole family turned uh, their back on him. And because he married her. Because he wanted to marry her, yeah. And she, she was this, this outsider who was never as shiny as the Gucci's. And she was from a much lower class than them. Her father, Fernando Reggiani, ran a trucking company. And from all of the you know, uh, a journalistic investigative reporting that I did to prepare for this role, I discovered also that they were believed to be in, in crime as a mm. family. Uh, so also, what I also discovered was that when she uh, put the hit out on Maurizio to be murdered in 1995, they were divorced. So there's these landmark moments in her life and in their lives where money was believed to be at stake by the press when actually there was no financial gain for her. So when I met with Ridley Scott, my director, who I have to say is just an incredible director, and I loved working with Bradley Cooper. I can't believe I got to work with Ridley Scott right after. He's just amazing. I have to give it up to him. Oh, and Adam Driver, and Al Adam, Pacino, yeah, Al Pacino, and Jeremy Irons. is an extraordinary cast. Salma yes, Hayek. Amazing, amazing. And I said to, to Rid, I said, hey, you know, you think he, do you think she ever loved him? And this is after I read the script just a couple times, and I hadn't done any real digging yet. And he goes, oh, they were in love. Mm -hmm. So I said, OK. So I abandoned this idea that she was a gold digger, and I went on this real journey of research about her. And I found that I feel that she was pushed over the edge so far that she made a terrible, terrible mistake. And I think she's sitting in Milan somewhere with deep regret. Um You stay right there. Nobody move. Nobody move. Nobody gets hurt. We'll be right back with more Lady Gaga, everybody. Hey, everybody. We're back with Lady Gaga. Yes, I agree. Thank you. This is true. We we have a clip right here. Um, can do you know what this clip is? What explain what's happening? Uh, yeah, this clip, uh, from what I understand, yeah. is uh, and also the years of preparation. Uh, th this clip is after we went to a Gianni Versace show, mm -hmm. and Versace was huge during this time. And Maurizio, my husband, has a talk with a fashion designer that's at the show who essentially tells him that, you know, Gucci's not as great as it could be. And so they go home, and she's trying to explain to him that he needs to take control of the company. And what I always believed about Patrizia is that she said to herself, look, Maurizio, you have all of this sitting right in front of you. You have this, this company, this empire, uh, just sitting in your lap. You should take control of it. So in this scene, she's trying to show him what he's got. And she's also trying to remind him that She's part of the family, too. Jim. Do you want to be left in the dust? You want to keep selling coffee mugs in the airports? Is that your legacy? It's time to take out the trash. Ardo and Paolo, they're poison. 
they're an embarrassment to this company, and everybody knows it. They have to go. And you need to get your business organized. Patricia, they're my family. So am I. I want to, I want to ask you about this performance. Uh, I understand that you stayed in character for months. I did. Okay. What a like challenge. Like somebody I know. <laughs> well, uh, I yes, I did the same character for a long time. For years. For years. For n ten years. But <laughs> I'm just curious. What? Well, do you think people misunderstand the use and the purpose of method acting? I think that there's a sort of uh, idea around method acting that it's crazy and that we're crazy. But I think that for those of us that commit ourselves to method acting, that there's something about us that's just fully committing ourselves to the art on a cellular level, that we're, we're deeply entrenched in this immersive experience. I feel it when I sing. I feel it when I make music. And I feel it when I'm acting. When I sing jazz music, I... I consider it a great privilege and honor to take with me all the great musicians of the past and bring forth this great music. So I do the same when I'm working on characters. And with Patricia, it was much easier for me to stay in character all the time. When I called my mother, when I called my father. So you're in not only in the, in the reality of the character, you're actually in the accent at the same time, living your life. How does your family take this? Well, I did both. So the way that I would explain it to you is if I were to call you on the phone, I would have spoken to you just like this. I wouldn't have pretended that I'm Patricia. You just would have been like, oh, I'm on the phone with Patricia. <laughs> And then with my, when I would call my mom... <laughs> she hired people to kill her husband. You can understand why it would make people nervous. I know, but, but, but in, a, in another way, what, what, I, what it did for me is like singing, like a musical instrument, like a mm. muscle, it allowed me to become comfortable with speaking in a way mm. where it would be natural to me so that I could be in a scene like the one that you just saw and I could speak naturally to the actor as sure. opposed to playing an instrument that I don't know. That makes sense. It's like if everybody switched instruments up there on stage, which you probably They can do, unfortunately. So good. <laughs> they can just run. run. Everybody went, don't come for me. I got the piano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, my point is, is that uh, I really wanted to do a good job and, uh, and staying in character for me was essential. And I'm not saying that that's the way to do it. It's just how I do it. And I've done it that way for a long time. I mean, I, meaning with my music, I've been asked so much, you know, you change all the time and you become different things and you have a persona. I think that acting was injected into everything I've always done. And I think it's because I'm like a child with art. I think art is the second most beautiful thing in the world. I think nature comes first. Okay. <laughs> we have to take one more break. <laughs> but don't go away, because, ladies and gentlemen, there'll be more Lady Gaga in just a minute. <laughs> We're back here with the lovely and talented uh, Lady Gaga. I want to talk to you about um, one of the one of the great living artists, Tony Bennett, who you've had a long relationship with. We, when you first started singing with him, we had you on the old in the old gig, when I was in character. And you, tell me about your 
your relationship with him? What's it like to be Tony Bennett's friend? I love Tony so much. He is my musical companion. I'm so close with his family, which of course includes his amazing wife, Susan Benedetto. He is a remarkable human being. He served our country. He also marched with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He used to sneak Duke Ellington in the back of hotels to play jazz music all night long. His commitment to civil rights and to humanity is something that he has like taught me from a young age to take with me in all that I do. I love him very deeply and watching him begin his journey with Alzheimer's years ago, I remember I wanted to make good on a promise I made to him because our album Cheek to Cheek went number one and I called him and I said, hey Tone, we're number one all over the world with a jazz record and he goes, hey lady, that's what he calls me, he calls me lady. <laughs> Hey, lady, we need to make it a Cole Porter record. All Cole Porter songs and uh, all love songs. And I said, okay, Tony, but you understand that we're number one all over the world. Yeah, 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 we gotta make a Cole Porter record. <laughs> so I said, yes, I always keep my word to Tony. And then a couple years later, his Alzheimer's just started to set on. And I said, let's go into the studio now. And we did. And when I tell you that when jazz begins, this man lights up in a way that is such magic. It just reminded me that anybody that has a family member or somebody that they love that's suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia, music is, is, music is magic. Music, music is a miracle. Well, this, on Sunday, on Sunday, on CBS and Paramount Plus, uh, you'll be able to see one last time an evening with Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. Um, it features two sold-out shows y'all did last August. And we're going to show a clip here in just one second. What song are we seeing? Uh, Anything Goes, which was from our previous record. But uh, this was great that we did this this night because it was easier for Tony to sing songs that he uh, knew with me uh, a little bit before his Alzheimer's set on. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing, that whole night we sang songs also that were, that were new, his short-term memory was still there. So you're gonna see Anything Goes now. But uh, this is a Cole Porter record from the 20s. Anything Goes. Anything Goes. <laughs> Lady. No, no, Glimpse of stocking was looked on as something shocking. Now heaven knows, anything goes. In our father's stew, who once knew better words, now only used for letter words, writing prose. Anything goes. <laughs> Thank you so much for being Thanks, here. Sir. Thank you. This has been The Late Show Pot Show with Stephen Colbert. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more.
Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.